listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I was praying this morning, I was studying this morning, and the Lord dropped this in my spirit for you guys, especially in 2020. You know, we're believing, we've been confessing that 2020 is our year of violent increase and expedited favor. And then, of course, the month of May, what are we confessing? It's our month for miracles. And as I was studying today and praying for you, the Lord gave me something that is going to, it stirred me up. Like as I was studying, I got, I felt the power of God hit me and I want to show it to you today. And you saw in the description of the broadcast, uh, the title was servants versus friends versus sons, servants versus friends versus sons. And of course, we're all three of those. If you belong to Jesus, you are all three of those. You're a servant. You're a friend. You're a son. Love you, Zach and Heather. And so I want you to see this with me today. This is going to blow you up in the Holy Ghost, man. It'll give you faith because what I want you to see is that it's never either or with these three. Servants, friends, sons. It's never either or. It's always and. It's always and. We're not either a servant of God or a friend of God or a son of God. We're servants of God and friends of God and sons of God. And so I want you to put it in the comments. Um, Those of you that are watching, put this in the comments, servants and friends and sons. And when I break this down for you today, man, this this is going to set you up. This is going to set you up for victory. What do we got? Almost, we're almost halfway through, right? Almost halfway through May. And I think the best miracles are are yet to happen. The best miracles are yet to happen in May. And uh, so you got to hear this word with me today. This is going to blow your spirit up, man. Uh, Servants and friends and sons. It's never either or. And I want to show you why, because each one carries with it its own blessing and its own benefits. Each one of those stations carries with it its own blessing and its own benefit. Servants and friends and sons. Bobby Eford, it's great to see you on today. Love you. And so I want you to I want you to see this with me. And we're going to go to several different passages, but uh, I want you to start with me. And of course, you've heard me teach. And uh, let me see if I have one here. If not, I can, I can probably get one, but in the new book that went out further faster, I did a whole, the last chapter of the book, which is, it's a very important way to leave you at the end of the book. It's called the launch pad of love. That's the final chapter in further faster, the launch pad of love. And it's important that you catch that principle because I talk about what it means to be a bond servant and, um, that term bond servant has been understood in the in the New Testament because, and in fact, a lot of Bibles, if you open them up to the beginning, to the preface, some Bibles like the NLT and the uh, ESV, they'll tell you that words that were for years interpreted as or translated as slave. You know, if you've ever read in the New Testament, 
Paul's letters and he'll say to say about himself, maybe in like the King James, Paul, a slave of Christ. If you saw that he wrote that, if you have throw a hand in the comments, you know what I'm talking about. Paul, a slave of Christ. Well, it's important to understand this context because um, we think of the word slavery in a very negative context because we are used to listening to uh, stories about American slavery or we've heard about slavery from other nations. It was a very uh, humiliating and dehumanizing thing. But see, in Bible days, it wasn't what they're talking about is not quite the same. And the word in the Greek language that's in the New Testament that's translated slave, like maybe for the King James, it's the word doulos, which it doesn't mean like a slave in the same way that we would think about it. But that's why the newer translations like the NLT and the ESV, they translate that word not as slave, but as bondservant, bondservant. And a bondservant was completely different than what we would think of as a slave. A bondservant, if you didn't know the history of this, that's somebody who maybe owed a debt to the person they're working for. And instead of being, maybe they couldn't pay the debt with money. So instead they would go and work for that person as their servant. And they would work and work until their debt was paid off. And then here's the, this is a powerful thought. There was provision that was made in the Old Testament because what would happen sometimes is that a person would work for that family and work for them until their debt was paid off. But then they would end up loving the family so much that many of those servants would choose to stay with the family as part of the family and just say, I'm going to stay with them for the rest of my life and serve them because I love the family so much. Obviously, you can see just right off the bat, it's much, much different than dehumanizing slavery we're thinking of. The people were actually brought in as like a part of the family. And so there was something that was done. There was an actual um, ceremony that they did. If I got to the end of my service, paid off my debt and said, you know what? I'm going to stay with this family. I love them. I've grown to love them. I'm going to stay with them. And what they would do is they would take the servant outdoors to the front of the house and they would take them up to the front door of the house And they would take their ear, you know, like where the earring would be, and they would take a little nail and they would put the nail in where the doorpost is and they would, they would hammer their, their ear into the door as a sign that I'm now connected to this house for the rest of my life. Now this, this blows me up because when I saw this in the word, uh, and I was talking with my friend who's a powerful preacher, pastor Alan Meshagan. We were talking about this and he was kind of unpacking some of this stuff, but think about this. John, who was Jesus' disciple, the beloved, who wrote the book of Revelation, he referred to himself as a bondservant of Christ. Think about this. He referred to himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. But look what happened at the Last Supper. I love this. As Christ is getting ready to leave the earth, Who did Jesus say that he was? He said, I am the door. Hallelujah. I am the door. Look what was happening at the Last Supper. The Bible said as they reclined to dinner, John, the beloved, the one whom Jesus loved, sat next to Jesus, and the Bible said he laid down and laid his head against Jesus' chest as they reclined. 
Think about what was happening spiritually. John, who in Revelation called himself a bondservant of Jesus, he put his ear on the door who is Christ, saying that for the rest of my life, I will serve you and be your servant. He literally, I mean, think about how powerful that is. He laid himself down and laid his ear on the door who is Jesus, just like they would do in the Old Testament and saying, I will be your bondservant or your, uh, the King James renders it slave, but a bondservant, remember this, a bondservant is somebody who chooses, chooses to serve, hallelujah, chooses to serve. I want you to write this in the comments today. I choose to serve. I choose to serve. See, that's the power of having a free will. The power of having a free will is God doesn't make us serve him. We choose to serve him with my own free will. I tell my flesh to be quiet. My flesh that doesn't want to do spiritual things. I tell my flesh to be quiet and I choose to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. I choose to serve the Lord. And we all, every last one of us, are bond servants of Jesus Christ. Every last one of us. See, because John the Revelator, he wrote in the book of Revelation, he said, uh, I, John, a bond servant, am writing this message to all the bond servants. Think about that. The bond servant was writing a message to all of the bond servants. That includes you and me. We choose to serve the Lord. Well, we're not slaves made to serve him. We are bond servants. We choose to serve him. So at the very base level of your relationship with Jesus is this level of servanthood. We are obedient to him. And if you've been with me for any period of time, you'll know. And by the way, if you didn't get a chance to share the broadcast, share it. If you didn't know this, it's important to know that what we talked about from John chapter 14 and verse 21, we found that word in the Greek that we talked about where we get the word emphasize, emphasizo, emphasizo. Jesus said, if you'll serve me and if you'll obey my words, then I will not only love you, but I will manifest myself to you. One translation says, I'll reveal myself to you. And we found in the Greek that it's that word emphasizo, which means I will emphasize myself to you. We talked about the fact that when you go through a Word document, like if you're using Microsoft Word or Pages on the Mac or whatever you might be using, there are formatting tools to format your text. So if you were writing a note to somebody and you really, really wanted a portion of that note to stand out, what could you do? Well, you do things to emphasize it. You could make some of the text bold. You could make some of it italics. You could even choose the underline option. And obviously, a lot of the newer ones, what you can do is you could highlight all of that text that's bold, italics, and underline, and you could even change the color to red or another color that would stand out off the page from the rest of the text. Well, what are you doing? You are using those tools to emphasize that phrase or that sentence so that it is instantly recognizable. So that if even just someone scanned the page, boom, that that phrase would stand out to them immediately because it's important. Jesus is saying the same thing, that if you'll obey me, if you'll obey my words that I'm giving you, I will emphasize myself in your life. 
So think about this. When some, even if somebody was just taking a scan of your life and just looking at your life, they would be able to instantly see the power and manifestations of God in your life because he's emphasizing himself in your life. That's like in Psalm 126, and Ariana just put up the verse on, on YouTube, John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That's John 14, 21. But think of it in the context of Psalm 126, where the Bible says, when the Lord turned again, the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue filled with singing. And here's the powerful part. It was said among the nations. That's what the newer translations say, said among the nations. King James, an older translation said, it was said among the heathen. Well, why does it say that? Because the other nations didn't serve God. So it says it was said among the nations, but we, we see it as heathen in some translations because they served false gods. But it was said among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. So that means that when people who didn't even serve the Lord, looked at their lives and their situation, they were blown away and said, the Lord has done great things in their life. Well, of course. See, when God emphasizes his power in your life, when Christ emphasizes his power, guess what happens? Then, not just Christians will see it, but even those that don't serve the Lord will be able to look at your life and say, Man, that's not normal. God did that. That had to be God because I'm telling you what, even people that know you, I grew up with them that they don't have that kind of resource. I know where they come from. I don't know how that happened, but it had to be supernatural. See, that's what'll be said. That's the kind of stuff that will be said of you and your life, especially this month as we're believing for miracles in the month of May that before we even get into June, that God will manifest himself in our lives and we'll see the goodness of God here in our own personal lives. As servants of God, bond servants, as we've said, we have access, isn't that powerful, to the emphasis of Christ in our lives, his manifestation and his glory and his power. It's not seen for everybody. Did you catch that from John 14, 21? I always find that interesting. Because Jesus doesn't say that it's available to everybody. He said, for those who have my word and obey it. So for the obedient, blessings are available for the obedient. That's something I want you to write in the comments because most Christians will never understand that ever. They think Christianity is like a socialist government with an equal distribution of wealth. And it does not work that way. So I want you to write in the comments, blessings are available for the obedient. Blessings are available for the obedient. Today's broadcast brought to you by Diet A&W Root Beer. Thanks to our friends at, at A&W. That's it. God's not a socialist. Blessings are available for the obedient. And you have to understand that because now you recognize that the level of Christ's uh, revelation or manifestation in your life is based on the word you obey. 
It's based on the words you obey. The more obedient you become, as John said, someone quoted it in the comments. John said this, uh, the Baptist, he said regarding Jesus, I have to decrease and he must increase. See, John went before Jesus and everybody knew who he was. They came out to see him in the wilderness. He was baptizing in water. But he said of himself, I have to decrease so that he can increase. We all need to say the same thing. I need to decrease so that Christ can increase. My word is not anywhere close to God's word. My will is not anywhere close to God's will. So what do I need to do? Decrease. My flesh needs to be put under so that Christ can be magnified in my life. And then when that happens, blessings are available for the obedient. Blessings. So it's a powerful thing. When you think of it this way, it's a, it's a powerful thing to be a bond servant of Christ, a slave of Christ, a servant. Powerful. Because the servants have access to the blessings, to the actions of God. Servants have access to the actions. If I'll do what he says, I'll get what he has. I love that. If I'll do what he says, I'll get what he has. <clears throat> and so it's so powerful that servants have access to the actions of God and that every one of us, as we serve the Lord, blessings come upon us. Blessings come upon us. Jacob says, how do you decrease and let him increase? One of the ways you do it is to put your flesh under and don't walk in the lusts of the flesh, but walk in the spirit. Do what the Bible says. It's a very simple thing. You obey the word of God over the flesh or the culture of your where you live. You don't just do what everybody else is doing. You discipline yourself. Like Paul said, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I discipline myself on a daily basis to obey the Lord and do make my body do what it should. I've got to do that every day. I have to discipline myself to obey God's word every day, every single day it has to be done, has to be done. And so as we obey the mighty word of God, um, we can see his blessings manifested in our lives. That's right. If you'll, I love that. Samantha puts it this way. If I do what he says, I'll get what he has. Powerful. And you, those of you that are writing it, put it in the comments. So if I do what he says, I'll get what he has. And so we have to see that. It's all about our obedience. It's based upon our obedience. And so I want you to catch it. We've got to know obedience is top priority, top priority. It's not optional. You know, that's one of the most demonic things about this hyper grace teaching that's gone around the body of Christ because the hyper grace teaching makes obedience optional or at the very least hyper grace teaching makes obedience not that important. Well, you know, our what we have is not based upon what we do. It's based upon what he does. Read the book of James. Read 1 Corinthians. Read the letters of Paul. It's definitely based upon what we do as well as what he has done. You never obtain salvation by what you do, but what when you obtain it, after you're saved, God expects actions of obedience. 
There's no question about it. Look at, look at the gospel of John <clears throat> chapter 15. And, and this is where we're going to go for part two. But part one is this, a servant. If we will do what he says, we can have what he has. Servants have access to the blessings. Now look at John 15 and verse one, the very first verse of John 15. This is powerful because this, this destroys that entire hyper grace thought process of, well, what I do doesn't matter. My actions aren't important. It's not about what I do. It's about what he did. You know, anytime you start teaching or preaching about responsibility in the kingdom to do what Jesus said to do, you know what people, you know what the hyper grace people start yelling? Sounds like works to me, brother. And I'm under grace. Sounds like you're preaching works. They don't even understand the context of works-based salvation versus God expecting works of you after you're saved. They're two different things, completely different. One is heresy. One is what the Bible teaches. No person could ever purchase their salvation by the good things they've done in life. That's heresy. That's heresy. The Bible says, by grace are you saved through faith. By grace are you saved through faith. So it's by grace through faith. You receive salvation as a free gift by putting your faith in Christ Jesus. However, after you get saved, read the book of James, read the epistles of Paul. God expects his children to be obedient to his word. But look at this, John 15, 1. I always ask people this. If you don't believe your actions matter, and if you don't believe that a Christian um, <clears throat> can lose what God has given them or walk away from it. Explain John 15 to me, because listen to the ver first verse. I, this is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Verse two, every branch in me. Okay. So stop there. He's talking about branches that are already in him. Anything you read Paul teach in the New Testament that was talking about in Christ, in him, in whom, it's talking to Christians. You can't be, listen to me, it's impossible to be in Christ if you're not a Christian. I mean, that. I hope people understand that basic principle. You can't be in Christ if you're not a Christian. That's why the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. They are saved, but they've died but they're Christians. You can't be in Christ if you're not a Christian. So Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, speaking of God the Father, who's the vine dresser, he takes them away. You see that? And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Verse three, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Verse four, so abide in me. That speaks of a choice. It's not automatic. You're commanded to abide in him. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine. And you're the branches. He's explaining the parable. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, 
he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Look at verse six. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And then the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. So unless you can come up with some kind of a theology or a doctrine that these people that were once connected to Jesus Christ, who are then by God disconnected from him because they refuse to produce fruit and thrown into a fire, a pile that will be thrown into the fire and burned. Unless you can find somewhere in the Bible where you can bring a, a, an analogy or a parallel between a burning fire as your eternal reward as heaven, which you can't, we know clearly what that means. Then you understand these are people who were once connected to the vine. And then because they didn't produce fruit, the father cut them off and threw them into a pile to be burned. It's judgment. Delame is asking, what is the fruit that we need to produce? Fruit of righteousness, works of righteousness, obedience, obedience. It's what it's talking about, obedience. And so you understand obedience to his word is the key. But as I was reading this, we go to part two. As I was reading this today, it jumped off the page at me. And this is part two. I want you to see it. Not only are you servants, not only are you servants, but number two, you are friends of God. John 15, 15, we got to see this. And see, this is the next level up. You're servants, but also friends, and then finally sons. All three positions belong to you as a believer. We are servants of God. We are friends of God. We are sons of God. Now look at number two, friends, John 15, 15. Verse 14, we'll start there. So only by being servants can we activate the level of of friends. Because notice what he says, you are my friends, verse 14, if you do what I command you. That's just its own verse. You can't get away from that thought. You're only my friends if you do what I command you to do. So people who are disobedient to the word of God are not friends of God. Jesus just said that. Why do you think God called Abraham a friend? Even before you could be a Christian, before you could be righteous, it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Why? Because he obeyed. No, it's not sons first. Sons, flaming tongues, sons is the highest level. It's the most mature level of connection to God. Most mature level. I'll show you. And so he said, um, this is verse 14, by the way. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know This is so powerful. This jumped off the page at me. The servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Billy Joe's or Billy Sue is saying, then we can be separated from God, even though we were saved. Of course. The Bible doesn't just tell you you can be. It says that there will be many in the last days that fall away. 
Well, you can't fall away if you were never once connected. That will leave the faith. This is apostates, people that leave the faith. Remember this, Billy Sue, God will never leave you, but you can definitely leave him. No question about it. He'll never leave you, but you can definitely leave him. And so see this with me, that if you obey his word, you're called his friends. And notice he calls you friends because a servant doesn't know what the master's doing, but friends have access to the thoughts and the ways of the master. I love this. This is so powerful. This is going to light you up for the month of May. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I've heard from my father I've made known to you. So this this right here, oh man, this right here gets me excited because now you realize that we have the ability to connect to the thoughts and the ways of God. We have access. No, Cora, that's not true. That's not true. That's that. That's not what the Bible teaches. I just went over that. That tells me they were never really connected to begin with. That's not what the Bible says. I just read it to you. John 15 says that they were already connected to the vine. You can't be disconnected from something you were not connected to. And John 15 tells us that these were branches connected to the vine that refused to produce fruit. And as a result, the father came and disconnected them from the vine and threw them into a pile to be burned. You can't be disconnected if you weren't once connected. That's what the Bible's teaching there. That's the whole point of Jesus' parable. If you're going to stay connected, he said, you have to abide in me. You've got to do the abiding. You've got to do the abiding and you've got to do the producing of fruit. But if you cannot, uh, if you're, if you cannot do it, you'll be disconnected. And then apart from me, you can absolutely do nothing. And so it's important to understand that. Um, now look at this as friends of God, we have access to the ways and the thoughts of God. Listen, listen to, uh, listen to Psalm 103. Psalm 103 got me jumping this morning because there's a big difference between benefiting from the actions of God and benefiting from the ways of God. Listen to Psalm 103 and verse seven. He made known, this is God. God made known his ways unto Moses and his actions or his acts to the children of Israel. Hallelujah. Billy Sue saying, so the teaching once saved, always saved is not true. It's not true. And even, even, uh, you know, even though we believe it differently, even Reformed Baptists and Presbyterians would say that if somebody looked as though they got saved and then went out through their life and been, even if they looked like they were saved for, you know, a year, two years, and then they went back to living in sin, their belief is they were never really saved in the first place. But what we can see from scripture is that they were, you can be connected and then be disconnected because you refuse to obey the word of God. On a life of unrepentant sin, you go back into sin, you don't care anymore. You just live in unrepentant sin. You can turn your back on God and you can walk away from the covenant. No question. Bible teaches many will do it in the last days. So notice though what happens to friends. The Bible says that we have access to know what the father is thinking and know what he's doing. Look at what he said. He made known his ways unto Moses. Hallelujah. And his actions to the children of Israel. You know what's interesting? When I was growing up, and of course my 
my great grandmother, I love this. My great grandmother, her name was, we called her Grammy Crawford. She lived up in Northern Maine and, um, she used to make the most phenomenal cookie recipe, molasses cookies, phenomenal. I mean, the best of the best. And, uh, it was so awesome because even when I was in Bible school, I'd get a package and it'd be shipments of molasses cookies. They would come all the way to Oklahoma. I'd open the package and I don't know how, even through the mail, all those days from the tip of Maine, all the way out to Oklahoma, they, I'd open them up and they were still moist and chewy and delicious. I mean, phenomenal. Now I can see why I gained 40 pounds in college. And so she made those cookies amazing. I love molasses cookies too. And so she'd make them. And what was I doing? Now my grandmother makes them for me. We call her Nana Shuttlesworth, but she makes them just, that was her mom that made them. She knows how, but notice this as I was eating them, I'm only benefiting from her actions. I'm only benefiting from her actions. If she was not there for me to do that, I would not be able to benefit from those molasses cookies, but watch when I get the recipe for myself and I learn how they're made, I'm not just benefiting from her actions. I am now benefiting from her ways. Knowing her ways is different than knowing her actions. If all you get is the actions, then you always have to wait and depend on someone else. It's like the old colloquialism we've used for years. If you give a man a fish, he can eat for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, he can eat for a lifetime. Why? Because by giving a man a fish, he benefits from your actions. By teaching a man to fish, he benefits from your ways. And when you're a friend of God, according to what Jesus said, he said, because you're my friend, he said, now, um, all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. So get, so get this. We're not just servants now only benefiting from the actions of God, like the children of Israel were, but Psalm 103 and verse seven, what does the Bible say? It says that he made known his ways unto Moses. I love this. And we have the mind of Christ and we've got access to the thoughts and the ways of God. So we don't just get the actions. We now have the recipe. Hallelujah. This, this will get you into a place of never-ending victory. We now have the recipe of victory in our hands. And I don't have to just sovereignly wait on some move of God. I don't have to wait until a miracle happens. I don't have to wait until a revival comes to town and hopefully that'll be my breakthrough. I don't have to wait for any of that because now I have the recipe to victory. I have the recipe to blessing and I can actually cook up the ingredients for myself and with the ingredients prepared, I can experience and kickstart my own blessing and victory. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have to wait on my grandmother to be kind to me and create molasses cookies. I can go into my kitchen, pull out the ingredients, put them in and cook them up and create my own molasses cookies because I have access to the ways, not just the actions. You see that you've got the ingredients. You have got what it takes to cook up your own victory and your own miracles and watch as God gave you his word, gave you the instructions. And now you don't have, it's like Smith Wigglesworth said, 
He said this one time. He said, I don't, he said, if God doesn't, if, how did he say it? If God doesn't move me, I move God. If God doesn't move me, I move God. What's he saying? By my faith, I can activate the power of God in my own life. I'm not waiting for a sovereign move. Think about that. (laughs) When you get this, I mean, when you truly get this, I want you to write this in the comments. People have never heard this before. I mean, I, I know it because the more I talk to people, they're like, man, I've never, I never thought of it that way. Listen, listen to this and, and write this very carefully in the comments. Write this very carefully and put it in your notes. I'm not waiting for a sovereign move of God. I am a sovereign move of God. <laughs> put it in the comments. I'm not waiting for a sovereign move of God. I am a sovereign move of God. Thank you, Jesus. Don says, how can we move into that level from servant to a friend through prayer and fasting? No, it's through obedience to God's word. I just read you that. John 15, 14. He said, I no longer call you uh, servants, but friends. Look, let me read it again. You are my fr- you are my friends if you do what I command you. So it's all about obedience. It's all about obedience. And of course, prayer is a part of obedience. Yes. Fasting is a part of obedience. Yes. No question. But it's obeying anything you find in the word over your life. I'm not waiting for a sovereign move of God. I am a sovereign move of God. Hallelujah. I am. I am. Why can I say that? Because we're like Jesus. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. John 14, 12, the works that I do, you will do also in greater works than these because I'm going to be with my father. Here's, here's the key. Watch this. Did Ask yourself the question, did Jesus walk around the earth for three years waiting on a move of God? I mean, ask yourself that. For everybody that's never heard that before, be logical about it and ask, did Jesus walk around the earth for three and a half years waiting for a sovereign move of God? Or did he just go full of the power of the Holy Ghost and bring a move of God to people who needed one? You say, well, he was Jesus. Go on to the apostles. Did the apostles go for the rest of their lives on the earth, sitting around waiting for a sovereign move of God? Or did the apostles activate a move of God because they knew what they carried on the inside of them? Acts chapter three, Peter and John go up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And there's a lame man sitting beside the road begging. And he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I do have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And so Peter and John demonstrated power by activating the power of God. And they were the move of God. They were the move of God. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you are a move of God. That's the problem. People are waiting on God to move. He's waiting on you to move. He's waiting on you to move. He said, they'll lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. They'll cast out demons. They'll raise the dead. They'll cleanse the leper. They'll tread on serpents and scorpions. Notice the power has come to you. Freely you have received, freely give. I'm not waiting on a move. I am a move. You're not waiting on a move. You are a move of God. No question. He said, no longer. He said, now, because you've obeyed me. I love this. 
I no longer call you servants for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I've known. Listen to this. Uh, let me just qu quickly give you a couple things, man, that will take you to the next level. Put them in your notes. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Listen to this. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of his law. So God knows all the secret things, but then he reveals them. He reveals them to who? His friends. Listen to this. Proverbs 3.32. The perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. So when you're an upright person, a righteous person, God gives you secret counsel. Hallelujah. See, servants don't get that. Bond servants don't get that. Slaves don't get that. But friends do get it. Those that are connected in covenant through obedience do get it. Notice we said his secret counsel is with the upright. In the month of May in 2020, you have access to the secret counsel of God in Jesus' name. You have access to the secrets of God. Hallelujah. I want you to put it in the comments. The secrets of God belong to me because I'm connected. The secrets of God belong to me because I'm connected. Look what Job said. Have you ever wondered why Job was so blessed, why he was the richest man in the East? He said in Job 29.4, Oh, that I were in the days of my youth when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle. Job 29.4, when the secret of of God was upon my tabernacle. <laughs> Psalm 25, 14, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. Woo, come on, come on. I love this. Amos 3, 7, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Hallelujah. You see that. Even in the Old Testament, if you were connected, you had access to the secret counsel of God, the secrets of God. See, this is why we're going to be blessed because God knows things no one knows. He knows things no businessman knows, no corporation knows, no government knows. He knows He knows the secret things. But if we're connected to God, then the secrets of God are delivered to us. Hallelujah. Delivered. The secret counsel of the Lord is with those who fear him. To fear God means to obey him. If I fear him, if I'm walking in the fear of God, uh, obedience is the fear of God. And the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. To obey God is the beginning of wisdom. And so notice this, all of the secrets of God, all the things. Let, let me take you real quick to Isaiah 55 and show you this is so powerful. So powerful. This is now available to us. Listen to Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. Listen to verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's, that's so powerful because now when you connect to God through the covenant and obedience, obeying his word, then as a friend of God, you gain access to his ways and his thoughts. 
And his ways and his thoughts are higher than your ways and your thoughts. I love this. He said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's why somebody can get one God idea and it make them a multimillionaire. One, just one of them. Just one of them. If I just get one idea, just one from God, one secret. That's how I told you the story, how Brother Hagin, the Lord woke him up and gave him a secret. You know what the secret was? That there was a, a recession coming to America. This was decades ago. The Lord woke him up in the morning and said, there's a, a recession coming. But, but if you'll do these things that I'm telling you to do today, even though it comes, you will never feel it. So what did he do? Took out a pad and a pen and started to write down every secret, every instruction from the Lord. Went into his office that day and made all the changes. And he said, just like the Lord told me, the recession came to America. And he said, our ministry never felt it. He said other ministries felt it. They had to stop what they were doing. Some of them had to go off television, stop their outreaches, didn't have the money to do this or that. He said, our ministry never felt felt it. He said, in fact, it was during the recession that all of the money came in and we built the Rama campus. They built the entire Rama campus cash and the money came in during the recession. How did that kind of stuff happen? Because he had access to the secrets of God. All God has to do is speak one secret to you. Just one, just one. Listen, listen to Jeremiah. And this is not something that God just does for some people. Listen to Jeremiah 33. He says, verse three, call unto me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you've not known. One translation says, I'll tell you secrets about the future. Think about that. He said, if you'll just call to me and I'll answer you and then I'll tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Jeremiah 33 and three. You see that? Powerful. I'll show you hidden things. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the hidden things, the secrets of God, the secrets of God. I don't want, I don't want things that I could come up with on my own. I don't want natural blessings. I want to be connected to Christ in such a way that the supernatural secret things are afforded to me in my ministry because I can only see the things that are his secrets that he reveals to us. That's what I want. Things that are only accessed by his wisdom. That's right, AJ. No question about it. Only accessed by his wisdom. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let me give it to you. Here's the Life Application Study Bible that we've been using that we're sending out to you guys. And listen to this. I'll read it to you from the New Living Translation. Man, you read this Bible and your forearm grows to another level of power with just the weight of this Bible's massive. You could use this Bible as a deadly weapon if someone broke into your house. Just imagine smacking somebody across the head with the weight of this Bible. Jeremiah 33, three, listen to this. Ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. You see that? Listen to that. Ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know 
about things to come. Now, for every skeptic that reads that and says, well, you know, brother, that was a verse of scripture that was just really written for Jeremiah. You know, that was just, that was just something God wanted to show Jeremiah secrets about the future. Well, if you believe that, what you're saying is Jeremiah as an Old Testament prophet had a better connection to God than New Testament believers who are sons of God connected by covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you think Jeremiah had a better connection to God than New Testament believers who are filled eternally with the Holy Spirit and need that no man teach them for the Holy Spirit teaches us all things and we have the mind of Christ, then you don't understand the covenant of the New Testament. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter eight, we have a better covenant established upon better promises. There's no old, I'll give you an example. The Bible says in the gospel of John that um, of all those in the old Testament, none was greater than John the Baptist. But then it goes on to say, but the least in the kingdom of God is far greater than than he. That's something people have never really seen. People have never really seen that. The least in the kingdom is far greater than he. That Now that right there will blow you up because that means nobody in the Old Testament, no prophet, Matthew 11, 11, listen to it. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So nobody before Christ was in the kingdom of heaven like it's being taught here, the kingdom of God. But he said the least in the new covenant, the least is far greater than John the Baptist, who was greater than all the prophets and all everybody in the Old Testament. So you, you begin to see how we are different than Old Testament saints, including prophets. None of them could call God Father. None of them could claim to have a relationship with the Son. But we are not just uh, people who have a relationship with the Father. We've become one with the Son. We are part of the body of Christ. I am in his body. I'm part of him. I am Christ on the earth, and so are you. We are Christ's body on the earth, Ephesians chapter 1. So let me go Let me go on to the next, because you understand servants gain access to the manifestations of God. Friends gain access to the ways and thoughts of God, the secrets of God. He tells, you know, you'll tell your friends things that you wouldn't tell other people. Do you ever think of that? You, you would tell your friend. Let me give you an example. Proximity doesn't have anything to do with relationship. Proximity has nothing to do with relationship. It's, it's, it's relationship that has to do with knowledge. So let me give you an example. In this house we live in, on one side of us, we have neighbors that we talk to often. My girls are friends with their girls. We see them all the time. 
On the other side, we have a neighbor who I have personally never spoken to one time. And the only time my wife has spoken to him is when they were upset that our, about something about our pool pump and came over and gave us a hard time. So never have spoken to them. So the proximity, we're very close in proximity to that neighbor, but have no relationship with them. I've got friends in New York. I've got friends, I'll go even further up than that. I've got friends up in Maine. So opposite side of the Eastern seaboard, Miami to Northern Maine. But because I'm close to them and have relationship, they will know things. Think about this, how far away Maine is from Miami. They will know things about me and my life and my actions and what I'm doing right now that the dude who lives next door will not know. I could be gone. And the guy said, man, their, their car's been gone for three weeks. I wonder where they are. Well, he lives next door and doesn't know where I am. But you could ask my friend in Northern Maine, hey, where's Ted today? Oh, I know where he's at. He's preaching in such and such a state. Well, he's not anywhere close to me, but because we have relationships, he knows things about me that someone who's right next door doesn't even know. Proximity doesn't mean anything. It's relationship that means everything. So because I have a relationship with God, I have access. That means not everybody sitting in church, in a pew, in a chair, has the same revelation from God as another person that's sitting in church. Why? Because they're in proximity, but they're not in relationship. See, relationship is what gives you access to the ways and the thoughts. In this month, I'm confessing and believing that you will receive revelation from God that will bring you his secrets, his ways, his thoughts, and then you will gain access to his manifestations. So powerful. Whoo, hallelujah. So remember this, being a servant gives you access to what he does. Being a friend gives you access to what he thinks and what he knows, his ways. But then finally, being a son, a son of God, that gives you access to what he has. Hallelujah. So let me go over that again so that you can write it in your notes. A servant has access to what he does. A friend has access to what he thinks. And a son has access to what he has. Get that, man. Put it in the comments. A servant has access to what he does. A friend has access to what he thinks. And a son has access to what he has. That's his inheritance. And you're all three. So you get the benefit of having access to the actions of God the thoughts of God and the possessions of God or the inheritance of God. Come on, go to Galatians chapter three. You got to see this. This was blowing me up this morning. This is going to be the most explosive month. Most explosive month. People saying, say it again. I'll say it again. A servant has access to what he does. A friend has access to what he thinks, and a son has access to what he has. It's powerful, man. And you're all three. You're not just one. You're all three. You gain access to what God does. 
But notice this. Here's where it gets powerful. Because you don't have to wait for him to choose to move because you're not just a servant. You're also a friend, which means you have access to how he thinks and you have his ways and his his access to his thoughts and his ways in your heart. Meaning, you don't have to sit around waiting for God to move. You have this so you can actually put the ingredients together and bring a move of God because you've got access to his thoughts and his ways. But then because you're a son, you have access to what he has, his resources, the inheritance that you have. It is in that covenant. So if it's yours, if it's his, it's yours. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter three, verse 29. And if you are Christ's, if you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's offspring or his seed and heirs, hallelujah, heirs according to the promise. You are heirs according to the promise. Think with me, if you will, about the story of uh, the prodigal son. It's a great picture of this, a prodigal son, because here's the wonderful thing. The prodigal son had a brother and they both at the same time, I love this and people don't catch this about the story, but it came a time where they demanded, you know, he demanded his inheritance. And so the Bible says, now catch this at the moment they demanded the inheritance. He did. The father didn't just give the prodigal son his inheritance. The Bible teaches that when he demanded it, the father divided the inheritance between the two sons. Do you see that? So when the prodigal son demanded what was his, the older brother also got his, also got his. And so the, the, the inheritance was given to both. It's just that the prodigal son left and spent all of his on foolish things and became poor and, and started to become a servant outside of his father's region and was eating with the pigs. But think of this. He started to think to himself, even my father's servants eat better than this. Glory to God. Even my father's servants eat better than this. But because I'm no longer worthy to be his son, I'll go back and beg him to let me be his servant. This is so powerful. And the prodigal son comes home. See, this is a picture of the mercy and the grace of God for a repentant heart. The prodigal son comes home thinking, all I will be is my father's servant. Hallelujah. Gets back home and his father sees him coming in the distance. He's coming home. And if you think that all the father was going to do was allow that son to just be a servant, you don't understand the nature of the father because the father doesn't just want servants. He wants friends and he wants sons. I don't care how badly my son ever messed up. If he, you know, let's say for example, hypothetically, he grew up and messed up. I don't care. He could never come back to this house with a repentant heart and say, well, you know, I, I know you're back, but I've looked at everything you've done. So now I'll, we're going to have Thanksgiving dinner, but I want you to just serve us all the dinner and then go sit outside and eat yours because you've fallen away. No, no, no. A father's always praying for his son to come back. 
A father's always wanting his son to come back. A father loves his son eternally. And if he comes back, I'm going to hear, if I got the call, dad, I'm coming back for Thanksgiving. I'm coming back to the family. You better believe my wife and I would be preparing his room, getting him ready. I'd make sure he had a seat right next to me at the table. I'd make sure that he got everything good that I have. See, because a father doesn't just want servants. He wants friends and he wants sons. And the father started preparing. Here comes my prodigal son. He's coming home. Kill the fatted calf. Get me a robe. Get me a ring. I could preach a whole message on that story. Get me a robe. Get me a ring. Get me the food. And he comes home thinking, even my father's servants eat better than those that are here. See, the servants will eat good, eat well. And he comes home and his father proves to him, you're not just one, you're all three. Because you don't sit down and eat, especially in those days. You didn't sit down and eat with your servants. You sit down and eat with your friends. In fact, did you know that in Jesus' day, you didn't even sit and eat with those you weren't in covenant with? That's why they gave Jesus such a hard time when he sat and ate with sinners. Because in that culture, you didn't sit and eat with people you weren't in covenant with. And Jesus ate with sinners because he was making a covenant with the world. And the father, think about this. The father says, I'm not going to make you just my servant. You go eat with the servants. You will eat with me. I'm killing the fatted calf. You will eat with me because you're not just a servant. You're a friend and you're a son. Put the robe on him. Put a ring on him. Put some food on him. You understand? He wasn't just a servant coming back. He was the friend of his father and he was the son. And then the older son. Now here, now get this. The older son gets mad. And said, now, Lord, I've been faithful to you this whole time. I don't understand. My my brother's been out there living like a moron. He comes back. You kill the fatted calf for him. You put the robe on him. You put the ring on him. Now, think about this. The older brother had his inheritance the whole time, just like the the younger brother had. They both had their inheritance the whole time. But what does the father say to the older brother? He said, don't you recognize me? Don't you recognize this? This entire time, all that I have has been yours. There's been nothing that I have that's not been yours. You know what he was saying? At any given time, we could kill the fatted calf for you. At any time, you can wear any robe you want. At any given time, you can wear any ring you want. All that I have is yours. Everything. You know what he was trying to teach him? You're my son, You have full access to all that I have. Thank you, Jesus. You're my son. You have full access to all that I have. Whoo, glory to God. See, you can't look at this older son and say, well, see, it wasn't fair how the father dealt with him because the younger brother, the father gave him all the money and then he went out and spent it. No, he gave all the money to both of them at the same time. And then he was proven a point. Everything I have belongs to you. That's what covenant is. You have access to everything that God has. Let me finish by reading to you Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 so that you understand where you are today. This will change your whole life. You're not just a servant. You're a friend. And you're not just a friend. You're a son of the Most High God. Listen to Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There's no, this is because you're a son. Because you're a son, and the Bible says in the book of Romans, if God has given us, if God has given us his son, how much more will he not freely give us all things? Why? Because there's no greater treasure than Jesus. And if God was willing to give us Jesus, of course he'll give us everything else. Of course he will. Hey, Ray, yes, I know Pastor Oyakolome, Pastor Chris Oyakolome. Yes, I've listened to him preach. Wonderful preacher. All things belong to you. All things belong to you. And I'm telling you, the power of God is available to you. I'm going to pray because, and AJ makes a good point. There's many Christians who don't understand their position with God. They think that they're just servants. They live at a servant level. They've never jumped up to a, a, a friend level. They've never jumped up to a friend level. They've never jumped up in their spirit and their mind to a son level. They don't understand that. They've got that, oh, I'm so lowly. Oh, I'm so, you understand? Oh, I, I'm so unworthy. I'm so lowly. I'm just a meager servant of God. They view themselves like they're the staff, like they're the help, the hired help. And they forget. God doesn't just want servants. He wants friends and he wants sons. And you're all three. You are all three. And you have to stop thinking, well, I'm just a lowly servant of God. I'm just a humble nobody. No, no, no. You're his friend. And you're his son. You don't, you don't just have access to his actions. You have access to his thoughts and his ways. And you have access to what he has, your inheritance. And it's been given to you. You've been given to you. It's been given to you. Thank you, Jesus. So I want you, I want you to bow your head because this is, I know this jumped out of my spirit today for a reason. We are in this month of May where we're confessing it's a month of miracles. We're in 2020 that we've been confessing is a year of violent increase, the flow of God. Listen to me. Our church has been on this. Bishop Rick Thomas has been preaching this. It's the word of the year, word of the Lord, that this is our year of the flow. We're going to flow like we've never flowed in the Holy Ghost. And when, just check this, when you're in the flow, you're in violent increase. You can't be around God and be in his flow and not violently increase. It's impossible. He's a God of increase. He's a God of abundance. He's a God of the overflow. He's El Shaddai. He's Jehovah Jireh. You can't be in his flow and not violently increase. It's impossible. Isaiah 48, 17, I'm the Lord your God who teaches you to what? Profit and leads you in the way you should go. When you're in the flow, you're in violent increase. You're in expedited favor. It's impossible to be anything else. And that's what this year's about. It's what this year's all about. It's not a year to try to get vision. You know, people that have preached that, they're not, it's, it's, if you're still trying to get vision in 2020, you've missed it. You've missed it. This is a year to be in the flow of God, the violent increase. I said it all the way back in like, I remember saying this all the way back, like, what was it? I said it like to Carolyn in like 2012. I said, watch and see when 2020 comes around, everybody's going to be preaching vision, 2020 vision. 
But understand this, and I think Bishop said this uh, when we were on, on our uh, New Year's Eve. Bishop said, you know, 2019 truly was a year to be positioned and catch the vision. Truly. But 2020 is a year of the flow of the Holy Ghost. It is a year to be in violent increase, expedited favor. I couldn't agree more. I've seen it. We've watched it happen. And it's going to be yours too. And so what we're declaring is my mind is right. I don't just see myself as some lowly servant of God. I am a friend of God. I'm a son of God. The inheritance of God is mine. And we're going to experience miracles in 2020. And the fi- listen to me when I tell you this. The last seven months of this year are going to be glorious. Mark it down. June through December is going to be glorious in Jesus' name. We are going to see so many testimonies come to pass. We will hold it in our hand in Jesus' mighty name. We will see so many miracles take place. June through December will be glorious. I promise you, you see that happen. For the faithful, for the faithful, miracles are mine in May. I want you to write it in the comments by faith. Miracles are mine in May. Miracles are mine in May. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying for your people today. I pray in Jesus' name, whatever has come against them, whatever they've been struggling with, we rebuke it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and command it to loose its grip. And Father, we loose the mighty power of God to every man, every woman watching or listening. Touch them by your power. Touch them by your presence today. Turn every situation in their favor in Jesus' mighty name. Let this be the month that they hold their testimony in their hand in Jesus' name. You'll get all the glory. You'll get all the praise. No man can take it. No man can do these things. It is God and God alone who gets the glory. It's God and God alone who gets all the praise. And so we thank you, Lord that by the mighty power of Jesus Christ, the flow of the Holy Ghost, we walk in the flow in 2020. May we receive our miracles in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that you're blowing your breath from heaven and that from June through December, we will see so much increase, so many miracles, so many testimonies. It'll blow the minds of natural men in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. We give you glory. We give you praise. We thank you for it. It is done in Jesus' name. And if you receive that today, throw some fire in the comment section. Let me know you receive the prayer. You believe it. And this is your year of expedited favor, violent increase. You're a flow of the Holy Ghost. And I love what we said today. I'm not waiting on a move of God. I am a move of God. I am a move of God. I know some of you, I want to encourage to rewatch this again and take notes. There's a lot of meat in this. The Holy Ghost dumped this on us today. A lot of meat in this. You've got to get this into your spirit. Got to get this into your spirit. This is a vital message for May and for this year. I'm not just a servant. I'm a friend. I'm a son of God in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. The Holy Spirit's speaking to people, even right now, about a seed to sow. And so we're going to give you the opportunity I would never, ever rob you of the opportunity to be blessed. And that's what this system of seed time and harvest is all about, an opportunity to be blessed. And so we're giving you the opportunity to sow a seed. That's what the Lord does. And seed time and harvest can never be stopped by your enemy. That's exciting. That's exciting. And so month of miracles is not just going to be a month of physical miracles, mental miracles, relationship miracles, but also financial miracles. It's what we're believing. 
It's exactly what we're believing. I believe that, that 2020 will be the most blessed that you've ever been. Do you believe that God could exceed everything that's happened in the past in one year? I do. It's what I'm standing on. It's what I'm believing. And we're going to see it come to pass in Jesus' name. It always begins by, what do we talk about today? Obedience to the instruction. And the Holy Spirit speaking right now, speaking to many of you to sow a seed of faith right now. And some of you, the Lord is speaking specifically as an answer to our prayers to partner with this ministry. And Carolyn and I, of course, you know, have prayed and asked the Lord to send us people that'll stand with us. Many of you have done it. That's why, by the way, I love to keep the names up because there's people that have stood with this ministry and we love and appreciate you. We pray for you weekly, but there's others that the Lord's speaking to you right now to partner with our ministry. Very easy to do. You can go to miracleword.com and click on the partner tab and you can set up a monthly seed that you're sowing into this ministry and believing God for this generation to be changed before it's too late. And so answer, I, I don't know who you are. I'm not the Holy Spirit, but he is speaking to some people today to join with us at a minimum of $80, $85 a month or $1,000 a year. Some of you more. We have many people standing at $100, $200, a month. Some are sowing one-time seeds of $1,000, $2,500, Some more. Do what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do, and you will be blessed. You absolutely will be blessed. Of course, for everybody that's sowing this month, we're sending you this book, powerful book by my friend, Pastor Alan Meshagan of Full Turn Church in Hiram, Georgia, Heir of Power. This is a book that speaks about your inheritance with Christ. You have union with Christ. You have dominion and authority through your covenant with Christ. This book explains it so well. It's a powerful book that he wrote, and I have it here with me. It's awesome. It's our gift to you this month. And then, of course, as I, I brought out a moment ago, the uh, what we're calling the holy weapon of God, <laughs> the uh, Life Application Study Bible in genuine leather, it's about 70 pounds. No, it's not that heavy. But we're, for every person that sews $1,000 or more, we're sending you a genuine leather uh, Life Application Study Bible uh, signed to you and your family. And of course, here in a few days, the hardcover, further, faster copies will be with the dust jacket. And it's a limited edition. We're sending that to every person who partners at $1,000 or more uh, as our way of saying thank you. And the fact that we love you for standing with us, really, really appreciate you very much. Also, the brand new book, Further Faster, is not only available for paperback purchase, but now on ebook for everybody on Amazon Kindle and Apple Books. So if you have an Apple device and you'd like to get it on Apple Books, you can. If you use Kindle on Amazon, you can get it there. And uh, it's available right now. And I've been asking people, if you don't mind, I would very much appreciate if you could leave me a review uh, for the book on Amazon because it helps us to go up in the rankings and bounce that dude who wrote a business book called Further Faster about, I don't know what it's about, leadership or customer service. Bounce him out of the top spot and let a book about Christ be the first book on the list. That would be awesome. We appreciate it very much. <laughs> Julie said, yesterday as you prayed for my husband, he was up within a few minutes after you prayed, feeling fine, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for touching Julie's husband. 
Thank you for touching Julie's husband. Jesus' name. Don't forget also that all of our courses in Miracle Word University are available, and we've got new ones coming soon. Um, we have four that are together in one bundle, all four that we have available. That's like 20 hours of teaching right there, 20 hours for only $199. You're getting one of those courses for free. That's 28% off if you bought all four of them together. Um, so we're giving you that 28% off, all courses available, um, $199. That's a great deal. And we've got new courses coming soon, which I'm so very, very excited about. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to hearing you. Listen, it, when you, by the way, when you purchase those courses, you can, as you're going through the videos, which by the way, you can watch on your phone, tablet, laptop, they're yours forever. You can download them, watch them offline, wherever, at your own pace. Um, while you're going through, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, there are comment sections under every video. You can leave comments and then we'll answer you, obviously, and get back with you. All the reading, um, re recommended reading is in the in every one of those courses. Stuff that'll fill your library with faith building uh, things. So I'm very, very excited about that. We love Miracle Word University and I so appreciate all of you that have uh, been a part of Miracle Word U. We have over, I think, 300 and some students in the school, which to me is extremely exciting. I never thought, you know, when you think that God starts telling you to do those things. You, you, you just don't know who's going to be a part of it. I did it only from a word from the Lord. And um, when I saw God, how quickly God had people join us, blew my mind. It absolutely blew my mind. And now we've got many more. Thank you, Eileen. Aileen, appreciate that. Love you, Lena. So it really, really, it blesses me to see everybody that's a part. And um one of the things I want to ask you to do as we're getting ready to start filming is um, if you have any interest in what you'd like to see next in Miracle Word University, I want you to go to miracleword.com forward slash next. And we have on that page a um, just a little bit of a, not a questionnaire, but like a poll to see what you guys would like to see taught next in Miracle Word University. We give you some choices. And I'd like to hear from you. So go to miracleword.com forward slash next and uh, let me know what you'd like to see as the next course in the school helps us as we're getting ready to film. And um, by the way, the new magazine is going out very, very soon. So if you have not uh, subscribed to be a part of our family that receives the magazine, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash live, fill out the form. Now, only if you've not done it, if you have, we don't need you to do it again. But the brand new summer edition of Miracle Word magazine is going to be shipping very soon, and uh, you'll start to get those within the next month or so. So I want you to be prepared to get it, and uh, when you do, we will also send you uh, an ebook as well, a free devotional ebook in your email, 40-day devotional to overwhelming joy. This will be a massive blessing to you. It won't cost you a dime, and uh, I know it'll bless you. Absolutely. I love you guys so much. Thank you for hanging with me today. And uh, I'll be back again with you. We'll be doing some night sessions again soon. I know people are missing the night sessions. We'll be back again soon at night. But uh, for sure, we'll be back tomorrow, 1030 a.m. You're not going to want to miss it. Got something special for you. I love you guys. By the way, last thing, last thing, and then I'll let you go. I'm going to be sending you an email tomorrow. I got an email coming out for you tomorrow. I'm tucking something special inside the email. 
And uh, if you're not a part of our email family, that same place where you sign up to get the magazine, you can sign up to receive our email. Same form, miracleword.com forward slash live. And when you go there and sign up, jump into our email list. Listen, I got something special for you. It's coming out tomorrow. I'm tucking it in the emails from me to you. Uh, if you're not a part of the list, now's the time to get on it. And don't forget, we're right in the middle of our New Testament Bible reading challenge. And uh, today is what? Day number 12, is it? My God. Day number 12 already. If you're not a part, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash study, download the reading plan, some videos there to help you in your Bible study. Uh, we're at day 12 going through the New Testament literally in one month, uh, people's faith being built. But I'm dropping something in the email for you tomorrow. Don't miss it. Jump on. If you're not signed up to receive the emails, sign up. I love you guys so much. Thank you for hanging. And uh, I'll see you again tomorrow in the morning. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.